We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents, and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. So start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. Welcome to the Think Orange podcast. We've been having a lot of conversations at Orange about what it looks like to lead humans. And we know that's not easy when it comes to kids, teenagers, volunteers, and parents. We'll be headed to 14 cities this fall where we'll be talking about that from a practical level. We hope to see you in a city near you. But we want to invite you into some behind-the-scenes conversations as we begin preparing for each and every town that we'll be headed to. So we've invited some of our favorite thinkers. Let's hop into the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. I'm Sojo, and we're excited to keep trekking on as we are preparing now for Orange Tour. We are knee-deep in these conversations (laughs) and deciding to bring you all along on these behind-the-scenes conversations that have Mm -hmm. already begun sitting here with Mike Clear. I know you have worked in, gosh, ministry in California, right? Family ministry, if I'm correct. That's right. Uh, Now you serve as a children's curriculum director. That's right. All right. Crystal Chang is joining us. 20-year small group leader. Okay. So you've seen seen times change. That is true. That's very true. (laughs) Uh, You've served, you're an author as well, Mm -hmm. a speaker as well as serving our student curriculum. And so I can't think of two better people to begin talking about this idea of what does it take to make volunteers excited again. Obviously, there's a lot of changes. Some people are sitting in their offices right now and thinking, no one's showing up. What do I need to do? Uh, Why are people just not excited about helping out right here in the church or within my ministry? So I'm going to toss that question out to you all. Let's kind of start this conversation. Well, um, I don't know if you remember, but in 2020, there was a pretty big event called a pandemic. What What was that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Just this little thing that happened. But I think at least for me, and this was true for a lot of my friends, our Mm -hmm. priorities got crystal clear when it was like, oh, if you go to this place, there's some danger or it may or may not be safe for you. It got very clear what we were willing to do, what we were not willing to do. And 
I think that happened in a lot of areas for life of life, not just church, but people became very clear on their priorities on what added value to their lives and mm-hmm. what didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there were a number of people volunteering in churches who went, I don't know if this is going to be my top priority anymore. It gave, gave them a moment of pause to say, I've been doing it. I've been showing up in a rhythm. And now that the rhythm's broken, I don't know if this is at the top of my list anymore. And enter 2021. So now you're saying there are people mm-hmm. who are saying, I'm not sure I want to go back. I'm not sure I For want sure. to yep. dedicate For the sure. amount of time that I used to in churches. Mike, do you agree with this? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And as we're talking with ministry leaders, what we're finding out is as people are starting to come back to a new normal, uh, mind mm-hmm. you. So it's not, we're getting 100% people coming back just attendance wise. Most churches are seeing somewhere around 85%. But in leaders that we talk to, it's the volunteers that they used to have that were there that are not coming back at the same rate that people are coming back just to attend. So there's mm-hmm. a there's a big disconnect there. And I think it is that like this through the pandemic, prioritizing what was important, what isn't important. And really the, the most precious commodity that we have is our time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do we want to spend this time with our family, uh, time with myself? How do I want to dedicate my my life to my job and where I volunteer, my outside activities? And that's that's a big part of it, mm-hmm. for sure. As Sony bounces around to a lot of churches, I see t-shirts giving away a lot to volunteers. That's <laughs> the way to do it. Would you say right now that's going to work in the economy that we are navigating Talk some t-shirts. <laughs> and a donut. And donut, a donut. 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 And free coffee. Yeah, we can talk. Come on. Yeah, we can talk. Now, our budgets have changed. <laughs> free coffee is a step too far. I have a donut hole and a sip of coffee. That's my, that's my budget. Obviously, what worked before is not working anymore. That's right. Let's talk no. about that, though. What What would you say has changed in what are the techniques that we use to, to say we appreciate what you're doing? I think there is appreciation and there is investment. Mm. And in this season of time, we have appreciated our volunteers, but we haven't necessarily invested in them personally. Mm. Um, That got really, really clear during the pandemic when people maybe couldn't show up to church anymore and they weren't hearing from their church as often as they were, or they weren't hearing from the people who had said, come sign up to volunteer. They weren't checked on as personally as they were. Now, that's not true for every church. A lot of churches did that extremely well. But I do think for a lot of of people, including myself, there were times where it was like, do do they miss me? Is anybody checking in? <laughs> I know I got this t-shirt at the beginning of the year, but what about now? And I think um, there's some value in becoming really strategic, not just in how we say thank you for what you're doing, but how we invest in volunteers as human beings, because ultimately that's who they are. They're humans who volunteer, not just volunteers who happen to be human. So good. So good. I love those two knobs, appreciation, investment, and might Mm -hmm. be adjusting those knobs and saying, maybe you've been killing it in appreciation, but maybe you have to turn that dial up when it comes to investment or vice versa. So yeah, what you think? I would add to that as well, as far as the the training aspect, Mm -hmm. um, resourcing your volunteers to almost laying out like there's a a growth track when you're a Mm -hmm. part of this ministry. It's not that I want you to come and be a door holder for then that's it. Like that's all you're ever going to do. But it's like, hey, I want you to start here, and then I want you to see for opportunities to grow, to to help us. But more, it's investing back in you mm-hmm. to do that as well. And I think the big thing is through all this with 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 all volunteers, it's just having something meaningful to do, mm-hmm. and it's connecting that position. We were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know, it's connecting 
what you do, whatever the volunteer role is, to the bigger picture, to the mission of your ministry, to the mm-hmm. mission of the church, to the mission of what you're trying to do in your community. And the more that we can do that, the more that, because people are just want to say, hey, again, my time, like we said earlier, is limited. And the limited time that I have, I want it to count. And I want to make a huge impact. So help me understand by doing what you want me to do for your ministry, how is that impacting the next generation? Show that to me. And that's something that I think some churches do really well, mm-hmm. but some churches, because of out of the, the desperation of needing somebody, it's just like, can you mm-hmm. serve? Yes. See you Sunday. Yeah. And here's your thing. Background check. Are you a criminal? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Moving on kind of a thing, but it's, it's connecting the dots to help them understand that when I have to show up every Sunday, when I have to get up at 6 a.m. that I'm doing this and I know why I'm doing this because I see, I see the long-term play here of what I'm investing in the generation. So I, yep, go so, ahead. So I was just going to jump in, Mike. I think you're so right that sometimes our messaging begins and ends with we need help so please come help us but in reality it's one of the best things that can happen to an adult human is to volunteer somewhere and to give away their time it's a huge part of the discipleship process but it also like it has health benefits it has mental health benefits for me personally one of the best things that has happened in my life is Mm -hmm. church volunteering and yet i don't know that we always tell that story we tell the story of we need help come help us (laughs) what we don't say is You'll never find community like the community with the people you volunteer with. No small group can hold a candle to the people you volunteer with. I don't know that we tell that story often Mm. enough. Mm. Well, I like what you said as far as like the, it's almost like the 360 impact it can have in your own life. Not Mm -hmm. just what I'm giving back to this this church, to this organization, to this nonprofit work of volunteering, Mm -hmm. but it's what it's investing back in me and the things in the the emotional, the mental, and all of that stuff is just, it's the whole, and the discipleship factor. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we hit on that enough. Like mm-hmm. sometimes, and, and no church no church ever says this. It's like, if you don't serve, you know, then you're not going to measure up. God's going to be disappointed in you right, or whatever. Right. Like, but yep. it's not that. We don't ever say that. I get that. But it's helping them understand that when you serve, serving is as much about reading God's word. Is Serving is as much as about worshiping services mm-hmm. much about whatever we like to as the big three, as far as growing closer to God mm-hmm. service is a huge part of that. And I think again, when we can connect the dots to say, mm-hmm. when I ask you to serve in this children's ministry, here is what you are impacting in the next generation. Here's how it's also going to help you grow in your own faith to do that. Because I mean, mm-hmm. y'all know, like when oh, you yeah. serve, like when I serve, I, I've never prayed more than when I serve because half yep. the time I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I was like, <laughs> dear God, you got to move today because like I, I don't know how to fill lead this conversation. Oh, yeah. Fill in those gaps and be that God thing. And when, and when I serve, I grow closer in my faith. When I serve, I take the focus off of myself and the challenges that I'm dealing with. And, and when I serve, there's a fulfillment that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can either communicate that, it's hard to communicate mm-hmm. in like a flyer, right? Or a put, but but it comes best when it's this, mm-hmm. when you're sitting down with somebody that you're just like, you know what, I see something in you and and I want to invite you to do a bigger mm-hmm. picture. And here's how it's going to connect to the bigger work we're trying to do in our community, in our sphere. And here's how it's going to connect back to you and what I see and what it can do in you. Sorry. So I, I have to tag on to what you said something earlier, because you're alluding to this on, on a couple counts. You're saying you want to show it. You don't right. just want to say it, you want to show it. And I think you're speaking to a generation that's becoming increasingly skeptical, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, maybe even pessimistic towards volunteering at the church. 
You got documentaries made that are saying that Mm -hmm. churches could be manipulative when it comes to saying that we're forcing people or making them feel bad. So I want want to kind of trek us right into the weeds a little bit and say, let's talk about that tension uh, of having to navigate. How do you really cast that vision well? Obviously, that that puts more emphasis on it requires us to do something that maybe we haven't done in the past. I'll let you guys kind of answer that. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the source where I get all my news is TikTok. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> there was this viral TikTok last year that mm-hmm. it got like a half million views or so of somebody saying, hey, just don't forget, no church would be where it is without exploiting unpaid labor. Mm-hmm. That was the messaging. And now Ouch. when a church leader hears that, yeah. when I hear that, I immediately say, that's unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not true. But if that is the messaging that is being said to a generation, I think mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to at least respond and make sure that that's not true in the way that we talk to that's volunteers. So mm-hmm. That's not true in the way that we train them. That's not true in the way that we burn out or appreciate or mm-hmm. take care of them personally. However, we're handling our volunteer strategy. I think we do have a responsibility to rebuild trust with a generation yes. of volunteers who maybe have lost some trust. You know, that happens whenever there's distance between people. Mm-hmm. You just lose trust from loss of proximity. And there was a time period in the pandemic where we lost proximity. And in that, there was some messaging like this that was filling in the gaps and there may have been some trust lost. We have a responsibility to work on rebuilding that. I love yeah. that. No, 100%. And I would say that like every nonprofit that is mm-hmm. out there would not be able to do the work exactly. they do without the volunteer force. So I would probably, you know, to help counter the narrative that may be out there. And mm-hmm. I totally get it. Like, in, oh, it's fair. It's just one word. It's, exploit. Yeah. If you get to yes. underline that that phrase or that mm-hmm. statement, it's just the word exploit. What do, you, what do we do with that word? Right? No mm-hmm. church would be with they, where they are without the great work, as you just said, or without yep. the love mm-hmm. or, or, or dedication. But how, when people are looking at it, can say, well, we feel exploited. And that's a mm-hmm. feeling of they didn't get the vision. They didn't understand yeah. maybe the the benefits as to what it could be doing for them as much as what could happen if they don't show up. It's using that guilt. You kind of alluded to it earlier, making them feel bad and saying, if you don't show up, God's mad at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is the, this is the look in the mirror that we as leaders have to Mm -hmm. do with our ministries to say, what kind of culture do we have here in our church or in our, in our kids ministry? Like Mm -hmm. what is the volunteer culture of people who want to be here? Do they know the vision? Do they know Mm -hmm. the mission? Do they know Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do? But beyond that, it's like if, if you were to describe your, your culture in one word, what are the words that you would want mm-hmm. to have associated with your, your ministry culture? I mean, it would be words like fun, mm-hmm. purposeful, grace, communication, relational, right? But unfortunately, there are churches out there. Instead, the words that are there are, you know, guilt, mm-hmm. um, you know, program focus, mm-hmm. um, lack of clarity in what I'm doing. And so it's it's... It's trying to change the culture because we're going to build back mm-hmm. trust with that. We have to look at our process, which is not a fun word to talk about, but it's mm-hmm. a necessary word to say from the time that people come into our ministry, how are we communicating to them, to the onboarding process, mm-hmm. to how we're retaining them, how we're rewarding them, how we're investing back into them, taking a long, hard look at that because there may be some red flags there that we just we just never saw. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I mean, and it's I- really important as ministry leaders for us to – even look at how do we see ourselves? Oh, because 100%. I am incredibly guilty of manipulating people in the volunteer space. I can I can look back and see times where I didn't make decisions that were in the best interest of our volunteers, and a lot of that had to do with I saw myself primarily 
as a student ministry leader, I was student focused and I never saw myself as the shepherd of the volunteers. And whoever you see yourself as the shepherd of, that's the group of people that you're going to protect and you're going to pour into. I'm not saying we quit our jobs as kids pastors right. and youth pastors, <laughs> right. but I am saying that if we're in those roles, primarily we are there to shepherd the people leading the kids and teenagers, not to shepherd the teenagers themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. And sometimes it's even equipping others around us to help us shepherd. I know when mm-hmm. I was a group's director, I mean, I had to hit 70 men and I, the, it was overwhelming in seasons. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I going to find the margin mm-hmm. to continue? to do my job, do everything that I need to, but also invest, uh, not just appreciate, but invest in 70 others. And it really required us really leaning or myself as well as others leaning on coaches. We mm-hmm. kind of developed this whole coaching system where they were able to walk alongside us and, and be extra hands, extra feet to be able to continue to invest. But it's so true. It is difficult. And I definitely at times could be guilty of just saying, well, I, we need you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to quit because there's so many kids that need you. And you end up, you could easily <laughs> shift and end up making someone feel bad for mm-hmm. continually missing when they have d- difficulties in their own life and trying to figure mm-hmm. out what it is. And you want to make sure you're considerate and creating that margin for them, but also make sure they know that there are students that are dependent on you being here consistently, right? There's yeah. that tension, right? We were always kind of managing, which I'm sure some, a lot of our leaders are managing as well. So people are, are drifting away. They're drifting away to different places. So where, where are some spaces or things that you're hearing when people are saying, I, I've gone here and I do this on Sundays now, or I'm finding fulfillment doing this. And this, these are things that we have to be aware of when it comes to how to maybe win people back. Obviously, there's football. Mm-hmm. And saying, or it's just I'm hanging out. There's obviously I, 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 a new schedule, and I just enjoy my time with the family on Sunday. And what would you say to someone who says, now that I don't have to serve, I just enjoy serving right here in my house? Mm-hmm. What would we say to those people? <laughs> what would you say? I would say we have all gotten used to a life where relationships happen online, and that's great and beautiful. There is no substitute for being eyeball to eyeball with a teenager mm. or being eyeball to eyeball with a kid. There is no substitute for that relationship that develops when you just show up and show up and show up over time. And I would hate for you to miss out on the impact that you can have, not only in their life, but in your own life by showing up and assume that that can be filled with maybe showing up in an online space or in a less relational way. So good. I agree. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. And and just say, I would maybe tack onto there to say, you know, I'm assuming you're a part of a local church online, whatever it may be, but it's like for a church to feel like your church, at least me speaking, personally mm-hmm. speaking, I have to, the best way for me to feel a part of it is to be involved with it. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. I have no idea. But if I were to say to somebody like, I'm glad you got time off and I'm glad you have time with your family mm-hmm. and this and that, and you're enjoying football to do that. Mm-hmm. However, this place is only going to feel like your church for as much as we put into it to do that. Again, not overplaying the card of manipulating you say, <laughs> right. and you should do all these things. Or God but is it, mad. Very God, yeah, mad. It's not that. And there, there is a fine line with that. But to say, I, I know that, you will only get out of something what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And so if, and, and if that's it, that's fine. Uh-huh. I will go to try to find other people to recruit to my ministry to do that. But to say, if that's, if that's for you, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But no, I, I, I'm very passionate about this topic as well. I think we're looking at a generation that's more tribal than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're looking at multi-generations all mm-hmm. under the same roof as well as within the same church. And it's easy for us to say, or as, as, as young people would say, okay, boomer, 
or, 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 or Easy you know, millennials, <laughs> they don't get us. And, and what, what what's happening is the people who are further along in life don't understand another generation. Another mm-hmm. generation coming along doesn't understand those that have already been there that could truly help them. And now there's judgment calls being made yep. uh, between generations. And it yeah. breaks my heart mm-hmm. when I'm sitting with people who are older that are casting judgment on a, uh, a younger generation simply because they don't have proximity. Right. They aren't doing life with them. They don't understand them. So all they can do is interpret what they read yep. or mm-hmm. what they see on TV or what they might see on TikTok. And I'm saying mm-hmm. the, the benefit we have in our communities is when we actually can re-engage again. Yep. And mm-hmm. that will bridge that gap. I truly believe that's just widening every mm-hmm. single day between yep. these ages. And, and that connectivity of understanding the generations probably isn't going to happen in a small group, mm-hmm. right? Because you're yep. going to be in a small group with your tribe to do mm-hmm. that. So the best place for intergenerational connectivity to happen is when you are serving in your local church to do that because you are going to be paired with a high school student, a grandparent will, and older, like whatever it may be. And there's so much that we can learn from each other. And that's, again, why I would say for to help a church feel like your church is to get involved, to be able to meet people, meet Mm -hmm. people your own age, but meet people who are 10 years ahead of you, 20 years ahead of you, those who are coming behind you to do that. It's a, it's a beautiful thing when it works together. It is beautiful. That's so true. So many people talk about the term church family, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like a family if you're only in a small group with other married people that are 30 to 35 years old with two yep. or less kids. Yep. That is not a family unless there are grandparents and there are younger people and there are older people and there are people just like the rest of your family. It's mm-hmm. not going to feel that way if you're not around those groups. You mentioned... Teenage, or you mentioned teenagers yeah. serving. And I that was the other thing that came to mind as we were talking about this. It's not just adults who need to serve. Teenagers who serve grow in just a different way. So I saw this with my own small group. The last group of girls that I led, the ones who began to serve in our elementary ministry and in our middle school ministry just had a different relationship with Jesus but they also had a different relationship with each other Mm. at the end of that. Mm -hmm. They had a different relationship with our church because they weren't just being mentored by me as their small group leader anymore. They were being mentored by the person they served with on Sunday morning and the person they went on a mission trip with and served with a middle school mission trip in the summer. And suddenly they had this whole community of adults cheering for them in a way that wouldn't have happened if they didn't serve. And I would hate for us to limit conversations like this to how do we bring adults back? Yep. To volunteer when we have often an army of teenagers who would benefit and a discipleship program that would grow if and we had teenagers serving. Teenagers who want to make a difference Absolutely. in this world. Come on. When you connect those dots to mm-hmm. that to help them understand how they can impact it, it'll be your greatest volunteer force. I truly believe it. For sure. And I'm, and I'm the recipient of that at our church where my daughter, who's now in middle school, but all through elementary, she had two high school girls, um, Natalie Northy, who were her small group leaders. And they invested in her, and it was incredible. And now, as she's in middle school, we're looking for opportunities for, say, remember what those girls did for you mm-hmm. and how you grew and this and that? Now it's time to give back. Let's mm-hmm. get back to the next generation coming behind you. We're going to figure out a place where you can serve right now to do that. So I love this conversation. There's so many people who are struggling in this topic, and I can't tell you how many coffees I've had with people who are saying, we're just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were to say something to the staff member right now sitting here listening to this podcast or driving or maybe in their office, and you were saying, I want to give you some encouragement. This is why it's so Mm -hmm. beautiful when we we get to these cities, and and here Mm -hmm. they are walking through these doors at Orange Tour, and you're getting a chance to have that community. As a, as a lot of people who are all mm-hmm. fighting the same the same battles, the same struggles. Mm-hmm. But if you were to say starting right now as we're preparing for Orange Tour, what would you say to those staff people who are saying, I, I'm, I'm feeling it right now? 
I always say, listen, the person who sits across the table from a teenager or a kid this year is not going to be a member of your church staff. It's going to be a volunteer. And so if you don't do anything else this year, and if it feels like nothing else is working, spend some time on serving and investing in and training your volunteers because that will have maximum impact. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's nothing else that we do that's going to have that kind of impact. That's good. I would say for right now, the one word I would say is to listen. Mm -hmm. Listen to your volunteers. And if you you don't have a regular time with your volunteers to connect relationally, then between now and the next tour stop that we're coming Mm -hmm. to, to your area, schedule out once a week, you know, coffee, if it's not coffee, not Starbucks, your budget can't afford that, then make mm-hmm. some Folgers. I don't know. I don't drink coffee, so I have no idea what. Have Folgers. some water. Join me for a glass of water, will you? I would love to buy you a glass of water and just sit down and, and talk about how are you doing and how, mm-hmm. and depending on what they're doing, if it's a small group leader, how's a small group going? How's the last 24 months been? Mm-hmm. How the last 12 months been? Mm-hmm. And what are some things that you think we can do? Because that's going to help identify listening to mm-hmm. the people who are locking arms and arms with you in serving. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to tell you things that are working and like, this is great. Mm-hmm. And this is not so great. And, you know, and this could be improved upon this and that. So I think doing all that will help prepare you mm-hmm. as you come into tour and then bring those volunteers to tour. Bring because there's, there's nothing better than when you are in a room together, whether it's in a large group space or in a breakout. And you're with other churches in your area, local mm-hmm. churches, local friends, and you're seeing that oh, wow, there's other people. Because sometimes you can get so focused in on what your church is doing that you don't see the bigger Mm -hmm. picture of doing that. And at tour is a great chance for you to say, look at what God's doing in our community Mm -hmm. through the hundreds of churches that are represented here and all these volunteers. Mm -hmm. Then you go to these breakouts and you hear all this stuff about, here's how you can engage and here's how you can do this. And then you go to lunch and be like, we're not doing it. But then you meet other people and meet other people who are doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. at your church. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're doing that too. And we can just learn from each other to do that. So it's Mm -hmm. So it's listening to your volunteers, bringing in the tour so they can listen to what we're going to be talking about content-wise to address some of these things when it comes to volunteer culture. And then also so they can listen to the other people who are serving in their community with other leaders to do that. And understanding why we do what we do so that that you don't hear those jaded stories of people feeling manipulated. I feel like when we all can get on the same page and say, hey, here's why we're doing what we're doing and here's Mm -hmm. who it's for. And it's even for us. Mm-hmm. As we're serving, we're getting so much more out of it than we could ever imagine. That's, I think, when people finally see the clear picture and yep. they're able to say that's not true when they look at that TikTok. They're like, that's mm-hmm. not a true statement. Right. Yep. Because, because I went to Orange Tour and mm-hmm. I had a chance to understand why we do this and yep. why mm-hmm. churches are asking us to serve because it serves me just as much as me serving those students. Any, any final thoughts y'all may have as we begin kind of landing this plane? I would, I would just say, again, vision and clarity. Mm-hmm. What volunteers want from us is the vision. Desperation is, might be a reality, but desperation is not vision. Okay. So connecting to what we're asking you to do to the bigger picture of what we're trying to do. And then also clarity. This is, I'm asking you to do this because of this. The, the, the greatest injustice you could do to a volunteer is they're like, I'm asking you to serve to do this. And then that list is not one thing. It's six things, <laughs> and they're unclear about that, and the time commitment involved, and all that. So just, just inspire, and just be as crystal clear as you possibly can be. Whatever it is that you're trying to communicate, to do that. So Desperation that be, is not vision. It is not vision. Yeah, it is not. Ouch. Yeah, it's reality. <laughs> but I'm desperate. But I'm right? des- I get it, and I get it, and I and I. But don't be confused. But don't be confused with mm-hmm. that. So it's yeah. not vision, and it can never replace vision. That's so good. So somebody need to hear that. I think. All right, Chris, what you got? No, I would just say you were called to care for humans. 
And that doesn't have an age limit on it. So whether you're a kid's pastor, a preschool pastor, a middle school pastor, a high school pastor, ultimately you're a pastor Mm. and you may find yourself needing in this season to pastor the adults in your ministry. We've all been through a lot and this may be a time to lean in and care about the humans who, who are doing this ministry with you and not just the little humans that you serve. You may need to pray with them. You may need to, to lead them. You may need to mentor them. You may need to study the Bible with them, encourage with them. Whatever it is, you just may find yourself needing to pastor a little bit more mm. for the adults in your ministry, and that's okay. And you may find that you need that yourself, and you may need to find some people who can come along and pastor and encourage you in that same way. And it may very well be a volunteer. I love that for a couple reasons. I, I I think we'd all be lying if we say that there aren't really great adults that disqualify themselves. And they're yeah. just like, I'm not, I wouldn't be good at that. And what you just said is extremely practical uh, to someone right now who thinks I'm sitting at a coffee trying to tell someone, hey, I think you'd be awesome small group leader. And they're immediately going to push back and say, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have, I don't, I don't, ha- I don't have what it takes. They would never look at me and think that I'm cool enough. Uh, I can't tell you how many people would say that. Great, great men. And I would say, no, 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 that's, they're not looking for you to be cool. They're looking for you to be someone who they can trust and looking someone who's warm and, and mm-hmm. a space that they can truly open up and say, here's what I'm thinking. And I can't tell my dad or I can't tell my mom just yet. I just need some clarity, as you would say, as to what I need to do in this. What, what, do you, what would you say to people right now who are saying, I'm dealing with people who, who have doubts and they don't think that they're good enough? Uh-huh. Right. They're not perfect enough to serve or they're just they don't know what it would take. And so they're just apprehensive. Oh, we run into that in youth ministry all the time because there isn't an assumption that teenagers are inherently cool. Yeah. And they are. <laughs> so, the you know, the first way to feel like you're not cool is to sit with a group of teenagers. But what I say to volunteers all the time is cool has an expiration date anyway. Mm. Even if you are cool today, you won't be in five years but trust does not have an expiration date. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be cool. You have to earn trust. <laughs> and when a teenager trusts you, they will walk to the moon for you. They'll make better decisions for themselves because of you. And it has nothing to do with how you dress, has nothing to do with what kind of music you listen to. In fact, it's probably better if you aren't cool. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, we were on tour a few years ago and uh, we were having a conversation similar to this in a in a larger room. And we opened up the floor for sort of a Q&A and this gentleman stood up in the back and he said, I just want to remind the young leaders in the room, don't forget about people like me. And he was clearly grandpa age, whatever mm. grandpa age is, yep. he was that, yeah. right? And he said, don't forget about people like me who have retired because we have more time than you ever will. We have more expendable income than we have ever had in our lives. We are at a position where we can invest in a kid in a way that you can't. And we're not young and we're not cool, but we can show up to every school play. We can show up anytime they need us. We can Mm -hmm. pick them up when they need a ride. Just don't forget about volunteers like me. And I Mm -hmm. could not stop thinking about that. There was nothing cool about that guy, <laughs> except <laughs> that he loved showing up for teenagers. I mean, the, the, the benefit of a tribal culture is that there is no generic cool like our generation had, yep. where everyone wore the same brand, and yep. you walk in school, you can see what cool is. Now, I really would say these kids are not looking for cool. They're mm-hmm. looking for someone to help them 
determine who they are, mm-hmm. find their voice, find what the, what they're supposed to believe, what they're supposed to think, and they're mm-hmm. saturated with all this information. And so those that might be scared and thinking, I'm not cool enough, or I don't have what it takes, I would say, no, no, no. This is a generation that is desperately searching for anyone who simply cares. Mm-hmm. They want to know that you can care about them and that someone is willing to slow down and be invested in their situation and in their life. And so mm-hmm. to the older person who's mm-hmm. further along, who says, I have extra margin, you're a perfect candidate. Yep. Yep. To the younger person who thinks that they're cool, I would say it's, it, that ain't going to get you very far. You're right. Yep. It's going to expire pretty quickly. And in the end, you're going to realize you have a, a, a wide spectrum of kids and students that some of which are, think that they're cool, some of mm-hmm. which don't think they're cool. This is the age of the introverts, right? I mean, yep. we're seeing it all over TikTok. I mean, this is the era where uncool kids are seemingly becoming popular. What a wonderful age for us all to navigate is where the church and we're saying, listen, unpopular kids are popular. Mm-hmm. Popular kids aren't as great as they think they are. Mm-hmm. And yet we're all in need of help. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have a, a, a color cast of volunteers mm-hmm. to make sure that we can meet you uh, wherever you are. So we just want y'all to be encouraged with that. Yeah. Uh, I know some of y'all are sitting here in your desk thinking, okay, I hope we're going to, we're going to try to do some appreciation and mm-hmm. investment. Uh, <laughs> like what you said, uh, vision and clarity. Those, mm-hmm. those are some great tools that hopefully they can begin turning those knobs. Mm-hmm. We hope to hear as many success stories as possible when we get to your city. Mm-hmm. I, I am confident that we're going to hear, we always hear Great yeah. stuff. Every we time we learn. Every time, Every right? time. <laughs> and we end up literally sitting at dinner afterwards just thinking, did you hear? And we share stories about the things mm-hmm. that you all are doing. So we continue emailing us, continue talking to us. We're learning and listening just as much as we're asking you to. And hopefully we can figure out this thing and make volunteers excited again to walk back in our churches. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike thank you. and Crystal. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Think Orange Podcast. We hope to continue this conversation on tour in a city near you. Head on over to orangetour.org and we can't wait to see you soon.